This is Coast to Coast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, America's top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys. One from each coast, squaring off on legal news and legal observations. You can only guess what will happen next. Coast to Coast is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Legal Talk Network. Uh, we're glad you could listen to our show, Coast to Coast, for January 10th, 2006. I'm Bob Ambrogi from Massachusetts. And I'm Craig Williams from Southern California. I write, May It Please the Court. Uh, Bob? And I write a, a blog called Law Sites and another blog called Media Law. We'd like to welcome everybody back for Coast to Coast and wish a happy new year to all of our listeners. This is our first show of the new year, Bob. That's right. And today we are devoting our discussion to looking at some of the important legal issues uh, on the horizon for 2006 and try and make some educated or not so educated predictions about what might be in store for the year ahead. That's right. We have our crystal ball at the ready here in Southern California, and I'm sure you've got it back there in Massachusetts. We're going to show our listeners the world through our eyes and some help from our guests. Uh, and uh, I'm always a little bit embarrassed when our introduction calls us America's top legal bloggers, especially when we have America's top legal bloggers on the show as guests, and we have a couple of them today. Uh, first of all, one of our guests uh, today is Attorney Norman Pattis. Norman is uh, one of Connecticut's best-known criminal defense lawyers and civil rights attorneys. Uh, he's also a, an accomplished lawyer and writer and uh, uh, joins us as part of the Law.com blog network where he writes, uh, contributes to the blog Crime and Federalism at www.federalism.typepad.com. Uh, Norm also owns a rare bookshop, Whitlock Farms Bookstore, just outside of New Haven, Connecticut. He recently formed his own firm specializing in criminal defense, civil rights, appellate work, and representing lawyers in professional disputes. Uh, he's argued in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second and Sixth Circuits, appeared before the U.S. Supreme Court in prisoners' rights cases. Uh, welcome to the show, Norm. Thanks for having me. This, um, I'm, I'm flattered that you asked. And along for the ride with us, Bob, is attorney Steve Kaplan. Steve is an attorney from the law firm of Hicks, Mim, and Kaplan out of Los Angeles, California. His practice areas include business law, business litigation, probate litigation. Steve has been making his annual predictions in the legal news for years via an email newsletter that he sends around. And actually, it's been pretty accurate. Uh, he even grades himself after uh, last year's predictions. Today, we're going to talk with Steve about his gift and what he envisions for 2006. Welcome to the show, Steve. Uh, thanks, Craig. Uh, this is the first time I've ever done a podcast, and I find the whole experience so far real interesting and hope to be back. This is our first time, too. Uh, <laughs> and finally, we'd like to welcome to the show uh, uh, another person well-known within within the blogosphere and another uh, 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 fellow of the uh, Law.com blog network, Attorney Carolyn Elephant. Uh, attorney Elephant is founder uh, and uh, principal attorney of the law offices of Carolyn Elephant. Prior to uh, founding her own firm, she worked as an attorney for the law firm of Duncan and Allen, a national energy boutique located in Washington, D.C., and also served as an attorney advisor with the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. Uh, she writes the blog and, and, uh, and the surrounding website, myshingle.com, in which she focuses on uh, solos and small law firms. Welcome to the show, Carolyn. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Well, let's start off with one of the biggest legal stories going on right now, the Alito hearings, which is a 
presenting a powerful controversy on the Hill, and the outcome is critical for many legal issues this next year and beyond. Steve, let's start with your thoughts first on Judge Alito's nomination hearings. Uh, it, it, of course, is turning into uh, just another political event. Uh, there's no doubt that this man is qualified to be on the Supreme Court, and it's only a question of uh, how many Democratic senators are going to end up voting for him. Uh, I think that uh, we in the legal community and people who are more active in politics uh, feel that this is probably the most important story of the year or will be the most important story for the year. But I don't think that necessarily resonates with people as a whole. I think they just view him as being a judge who's been on the bench for many years and seems to be a little bit nerdy but otherwise well qualified. And while... We may get in a huff, and uh, and some party partisans may get in a huff over it. I just don't think it's going to affect uh, the the general electorate. Norm, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's true. I, on the theory that a little confession is good for the soul, I, I wish someone on the, 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 the Judiciary Committee would sit, just say to Mr. Alito, just cut the crap and tell us what you really think. I realize that the Alito um, hearing is much like every other one in recent history, and that is that there's a, a, a sort of formula that goes to it. Ask questions, but don't really insist on answers. I think we're entitled to answers about what Alito believes about the role of an executive, about abortion, other than being open to it. Here's a man who's very thoughtful, very intelligent. He spent an adult life in the law. He has more thoughts than he's sharing, and I think the Senate should demand that he share them or not confirm. I realize that's a minority view, and it's unlikely to occur. But I find the whole farce of the hearings to be a little hard to take. I mean, Harriet Myers, well, okay, she wasn't qualified, um, or at least arguably so. Um, Mr. Alito is qualified, but does that mean the Senate should give him a free ride and take equivocation for answers? I say not. I'd like to see him dig in on Sam Alito and make him answer some questions. Carolyn, what's your take? Well, I guess in some ways, I, I think that you can gain an impression of what a judge is like um, from his record and from the information that has already um, been publicized. And I think in spite of the fact that Alito says that the comments that he had made um, when he was um, working within, I guess it was the Reagan administration, um, how those are not necessarily his views or won't necessarily prejudge, it's all part and parcel of of his thought process. I'm, I'm not really comfortable. I would have to disagree with Norm. I'm not comfortable with judges um, giving an impression of, of what their ideas are, what their philosophy is. I really, um, there, there's something about the power of oral argument and the power of being able to go in front of a court and feel that you have the opportunity to influence these, influence judges with the quality of your legal argument that I sort of like to try to to preserve, and I think that when judges um, talk about their philosophy and the the positions that they take, that it sort of you know it it damages the legal process in a way because it, it can even make people think I don't stand a chance, so I'm not even going to bother to advocate for my client because I can't change this person's mind anyway, and I don't like to see the the system run in in that way. Well, we're, we're here to prognosticate. Uh, what's what's the outcome going to be of these hearings? Carolyn, anybody? Alito's in. I, I agree. Yeah, is there really any question about it? No. I think the only question is how in is he? And I think you're going to find probably about uh, half the Democratic senators are going to vote for him and half of them are going to vote against him. Well, on the Supreme Court, being in at all is pretty pretty deep in, isn't it? 
That's right. Nobody remembers what, you know, the vote for Clarence Thomas was, so... Except Clarence Thomas. Right. (laughs) Does anybody see Clarence Thomas playing an activist role in the arguments in 2006? Will the sleeper awake? (laughs) (laughs) Stephen, you've you've put out a list of about 35 uh, predictions for uh, 2006, some of them in the legal field, some of them... uh, venturing off into foreign policy and economics and, and uh, all sorts of ideas. How, how did you get into this prognosticating, and, and uh, well, how's your record been in the past? It started about four years ago with an email list, and I think anybody who uh, has spent any time blogging or even putting together some of these mailing lists knows how viral it can be. You start out sending it to 10 people, and soon you're getting emails from all over the world, and you're getting requests uh, to post these things on websites nowadays, and you're even getting invited to participate uh, in uh, podcasts. In podcasts, <laughs> exactly. So that's how it started out about four years ago, and then I tried to grade myself honestly on uh, every year about how uh, how they ended up. Uh, last year was a little bit of a mixed bag. This year what I'm trying to do is uh, make predictions that are very black and white so that you can tell with certainty whether or not it really happened or not. So they're not touchy-feely th- sort of things. Or there's things such as uh, a former president of the United States will die this year, which is a little ghoulish. But I figured I did it last year with Yasser Arafat and got that one right. So uh, why not uh, why not continue? And uh, the response has just been overwhelming. It's, uh, it's I, uh, I'm always amazed uh, uh, at the responses that I receive. And uh, if there's any listens, listeners out there uh, who hear this, uh, feel free to uh, uh, to send me your responses also. Well, what will be the big legal story of 2006 in your predictions? Well, I think the I think it's probably what we just discussed. Uh, the uh, the Supreme Court confirmation hearings. This is not one of my predictions, but you know, given the uh, uh, the age of uh, of the Supreme Court judge justices that are still sitting on the bench, you know, there's very possible, of course, that there's going to be another vacancy or two. I don't think so, but it's it's possible. But I think the Alito hearings are going to be the story of 2006. Uh, it's got uh, implications not only for us lawyers, but for uh, the the political uh, people who are involved in politics, this can be uh, a real battle cry uh, for both the Democratic and Republican Party. So I think that's the story uh, for us lawyers this year. Norm, how about you? What do you see as being the uh, likely to be the big legal story of 2006? This is the Office of Homeland Security. We are letting you know that we are tapping your call with impunity because the American public does not have a reasonable expectation of privacy. Given the fact that most Americans are scared to death of terror, I expect the courts throughout this year to confirm our snooping on American citizens. Consider the recent reaction to George Bush and the NSA. Only civil libertarians cared. The American people didn't. So we plan to trample on the Fourth Amendment this year. Thank you. We have no doubt your phone is tapped. No. <laughs> I had a fun conversation with a federal judge who I can't name the other day. It was about something or other. And um, and I kept using, uh, I kept talking about my garden and the bushes in it and how I needed to assassinate the weeds. And I kept putting bush and assassination closer together. And he said, would you stop that? You're going to get me tapped by the NSA. And I said, I am. And there's nothing you can do about it. He agreed. <laughs> 
Carolyn, what's your take on what what's going to be the big legal story for 2006? Well, being here in Washington, D.C., um, and seeing the newspapers plastered with stories about Jack Abramoff and, um, and the practice of lobbying, which is very um, well integrated with D.C. practice here, I think that we are going to see... Um, changes and also tensions um, with, with respect to lobbying. I, mean, we, I think it's very interesting that we have an election coming up in 2006, and presumably there's going to be a lot of people leaving the Hill. And, um, you know, with some of these changes, I think there's going to be some questions about where they're going to go and whether these changes are actually going to stay in place once there are people who are out and, and looking for new, new jobs again. So I think that, um, and, and at the same time, um, more information is going to come out about the Abramoff scandals. And I think that in some respects it may even draw in law firms because he worked for two very large firms and they're starting to feel some heat now about how they could have somebody working out of their office and never notice that $70 million was coming in and no timesheets were, <laughs> were going out. So I think that's one of the issues. And the other thing I think also with respect to the Supreme Court, I don't think it will um, just be changed by Alito. I think the, um, as uh, Justice, Chief Justice Roberts um, stays on the court, I think um, we're going to start seeing changes. I think that um, he's more interested in um, bringing the court into modern times and with the changing age composition of the justices, I think that we will see it um, come to a point where maybe we don't have cameras in the courtroom, but where the Supreme Court and its decisions um, do become more accessible. Carolyn, I was wondering, one of the reasons I was interested in having you on the show is that you follow small firm practice, solo firm practice closely, and I wonder if you see any trends that are that are going to become more significant in terms of uh, the, the way lawyers and the small firms are, are, are practicing and what's happening with solo and small firm lawyers. Well, one trend that um, I has, I've been following since I started my weblog, My Shingle, and which um, continues day after day, is the trend of attorneys um, in, you know, maybe four to six years of practice, leaving large firms and going out on their own and starting their own shop. Um, almost every, you know, at least once a month and maybe more frequently, I come across a story about um, one or two or a group of associates from a large firm who decide to open up their own shop and who are practicing in fields of law that are not traditionally considered to be solo practice, like general practice, criminal law, or family law. They're doing securities regulation. Um, I do energy regulatory work myself. They're doing communications work. Um, they're getting involved in Sarbanes-Oxley consultation. And I think that um, even as large firms um, continue to grow, I think they're going to have a lot of difficulty um, retaining some of these associates who are opening up small firms. And that, in turn, also changes the nature of solo practice, because I think that when some of these attorneys with traditionally large firm practices open up small firms, they begin to, um, to, to take on some more general types of cases, too, and maybe provide um, a higher quality of, um, of representation because they're not as concerned about money. They have a couple of corporate clients and they can expand. So I think that we're going to see the quality of um, solo and small firms continue to be um, enhanced this year and in future years because of this, this trend of the departing associates with a portfolio of corporate work. So follow up on that, Steve, what do you think that uh, Abramos situation is going to have an effect on large firms. Do you think that's going to drive more lawyers away from large firms and out to practice on their own? 
I don't think that particular situation is going to have any effect really on the large firms. I think that the, as we were actually talking about during lunch, the biggest effect uh, of technology that we're going to see in this year and probably for the next 10 years is a downsizing of the size of law firms. You're going to see, uh, you're going to see not only a downsizing in the number of lawyers, but a downsizing in the amount of support staff that they have. Uh, I think for lawyers under the age of 40 in particular who are very comfortable with computers, uh, they don't need the kind of secretarial support that us older attorneys need. And it's going to become increasingly a fact in the legal community that uh, uh, legal secretaries are just going to become almost a a uh, archaic sort of thing, and you're going to see uh, less. Um, you're going to see uh, support staff with less training doing the mundane things like opening the mail and kind of the nuts and bolts things that you need to do a law firm. But in general, the size of uh, of law firms are going to shrink. Norm, where do you see law firms going? Well, it's funny. Just today, I had an interesting conversation with the chief disciplinary counsel in Connecticut and, and one of the officers of the Connecticut Bar Association, and they, they point out a disturbing trend in small firms of defalcation or theft of client funds, which isn't to suggest that all lawyers are doing it, but in Connecticut, for example, there are about $17 million in claims for stolen funds. No more than about 30 lawyers of the 34,000 admitted to the bar are involved. But the concern is that as the practice of law changes Older lawyers, in particular, who aren't keeping up with the competition in the market, are more inclined to take money, um, and this is going to create a crisis of confidence in the bar. So that Connecticut, Vermont, and apparently New Hampshire have committees working on this issue and are extremely concerned. The the fear is that there'll be more regulation of small firms, not so much at the high end in Los Angeles or or, or Carolyn's practice, where you have to be a genius to just even understand the pleadings. But for the rest of us ham and egg types that are working with whatever walks in the door, I think the fear is that um, the, com- the competitive pressures of do-it-yourself lawyering on the Internet, um, what um, my colleague from Los Angeles just referred to of the, the newer lawyer who's technologically competent, that's putting enormous pressure on older lawyers, and, and, and a lot of them or a significant number of them are resorting to theft to finance lifestyles they've become accustomed to. The fear in Connecticut is that well, you know, we're going to get one or two big embarrassing scandals regarding defalcation, and the legislature will step in to more highly regulate small-end firms. So that, that's a very de- uh, deeply felt concern here in Connecticut right now. Well, do we, do we end up with a highly polarized profession? I mean, if we're having uh, more and more lawyers go off into solo and small firm practices, but we still, we, I'm not seeing any lessening of the trend of the, of the mega firms continuing to merge and grow even bigger. So do we end up with a gap between just uh, huge international firms and solo small firm and not much in the middle? I, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm a a solo practitioner. I have a couple of associates, but it's a small firm that is not dedicated to securities work or corporations, but to individuals. And and I, I can tell you that from the, what, what I see in the market, it's, it is increasingly difficult for firms of this size to survive. A lot of people are leaving, but unless you have what Carolyn mentioned, which is the well-heeled corporate client to bankroll you, um, it's very, very hard to establish a presence in a market sufficient to keep one-time customers coming back. How many drug cases can you do in a year, for example? And most of your clients aren't going to be repeat offenders unless you're yeah, magic at acquittals. So I, I don't know the big firm scene at all. It's not one I've ever been part of, and I just read about it with a certain amount of envy. 
um, but it's not a life I know. But from the small per- firm perspective, it's nasty, brutish, and short out here and likely to get worse. Well, I think, I mean, I, my view has always been that the bar has been um, has been very stratified between small firms and, and larger firms. And I know that when I started my practice, when I would write letters to the bar, you know, making a suggestion, you know, people wouldn't even write back to me. Um, I think in, in some ways, actually, blogging is, is helping to change that because there are large firm attorneys and small firm attorneys and, and professors and people from um, – uh, different different walks of legal practice who um, interact with each other, and I help that I think that that helps to break down barriers. And I think also, you know, like I said, when you have these um, individuals who are leaving large firms and going into small firm practice, um, many of them are using the more traditional small firm lawyers um, as their mentors. I go to a solo lunch um, every month in Washington, D.C., and um, the older attorneys are the more traditional um, general practice attorneys, and many of the younger ones have these specialties, but we rely very heavily on our, on our older colleagues, and I think that um, that helps to um, just improve the image of, of solos, although I'm very troubled to hear about the, uh, the Connecticut trend and, that Norm described, and it, it sounds very sad also. I just... All right, we're going to take a, a break, and when we return, we're going to be back with our guests for some final predictions, and Craig and I will uh, belly up to the crystal ball ourselves. We invite you to visit Law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources. From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, Law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession. As part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Please the Court, and Robert Ambrogi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day. Or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our Practice Center sections. Coast to Coast is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. Welcome back to Coast to Coast on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams. And I'm Bob Ambrogi. We're here talking to uh, attorney Norm Pattis, a uh, Connecticut lawyer and uh, contributor to the blog Crime and Federalism. Attorney Stephen Kaplan, uh, uh, a lawyer from the firm of Hicks, Mims, and Kaplan uh, in California. And attorney Carolyn Elephant, uh, a lawyer in Washington, D.C., and uh, author of the blog MyShingle.com. Uh, and I wonder if, uh, uh, Steve, if you uh, have any uh, final predictions you'd like to offer uh, for 2006 and whatever area you care to offer them. Well, I think, I'll, I, I think we'll depart a little bit from the legal area since uh, we've spent so much time on that so far. And I'll make a prediction about the economy. I think what in 2006 we'll never see uh, a barrel of oil for under $50. And that's probably true for the rest of our lifetimes, too. Uh, if there is any kind of disruption, any sort of terrorist attack, uh, any sort of problems in Venezuela or Iraq or Iran, uh, we could easily see the price of oil spike to twice that amount. 
and uh, I think that it's going to be another good year for companies that provide uh, support services to oil companies as well as oil companies that pay high dividends. Norm, how about you? Final I'll prediction? be consulting Steve's website for investment advice and strategy. I don't know. I'll just I'll, you know, do something simple, more bloodshed than endless bloodshed in Iraq. Carolyn, how about wrapping up? Um, I think that we will um, see a trend towards um, more um, simplification of um, many of the, uh, the technologies that, that we use now and, um, and also um, in increase in um, the popularity of um, blogs and other types of online um, media sources. And I'm going to clean up here with... Uh, predictions. I look at a thumbs up and thumbs down from Steve and Norm and Carolyn uh, on Tom DeLay, guilty or not guilty, and Saddam Hussein, guilty or not guilty. I'll give you an easy one and, a hard, and perhaps a somewhat harder one. Steve? I think DeLay is going to walk in front of a Texas jury. All it takes is one. And Saddam, of course, uh, he's not going to last out the year. Norm? Double guilties. Carolyn? I, I think delay is is going to make it out and uh, and guilty for Saddam. Well, Bob, maybe we ought to talk about our predictions. I haven't heard yours yet, so um, let's let's. Uh, why don't you go first? Gee, thanks, Craig. Well, okay, uh, if you want, I can go first. Well, uh, yeah. Why don't you go first? I'm going to make a technology prediction. I think it's following up on your prediction in your blog about uh, this year being the year of the podcast, I'm going to predict that next year is the year of the vidcast. I think that there's going to be more video on the Internet. There's going to be more lawyers who are adopting video blogging. And uh, I think we're going to see it's really taking off as a trend. My other prediction is kind of twofold. I think we're going to see some statewide uh, some legislation across the various states uh, I think largely, though, it's going to be window-addressing legislation. I think we're going to see a bunch of eminent domain laws passed in response to Kelo, but I don't think they're going to have any real effect, and I don't think they're going to tremendously change the uh, current law on eminent domain. I think they're going to be passed so that uh, everybody can go back in November and claim that they did something in the legislature. My other prediction is going to be in the Senate and in the House that uh, because of Abramoff, there will be some significant changes to the lobbying statutes, but because all of the people that are voting for those changes are going to go out and become lobbyists in the future, they're all going to be window dressing. Those are my two. Well, if only most lobbyists earned what Abramoff earned, uh, <laughs> we'd all be in the field. Uh, well, I, I predict that the folks at Satellite Radio are going to come to realize that the real money is in legal programming, and they're going to bump <laughs> Howard Stern for Coast to Coast in the Legal Talk Network. Uh, and, and right after that... Uh, they, they, I, mean, I didn't I, tell you that we got a, a, a letter for offering us ten billion dollars. You, uh, you did. Gee, you didn't tell me that, Craig. Uh, yeah, I was. I was going to keep. Where's it my half? You, but, uh, <laughs> um, now, you know, I've been looking. I'm obviously interested in technology a lot too, and and I've just been looking a lot at what's been going on. We all of us uh, on this on this uh, broadcast today have been involved in in blogging and and 
podcasting. And I think we've all come to see how that's made the world a much smaller place. And uh, over the last year in particular and in the coming year, I think we're going to continue to see a rise in uh, lawyers using kind of social networking and collaboration tools and what everybody's referring to as Web 2.0 uh, tools. And I think all of that is is going to begin this year to have a, an impact on the practice in that I think there's going to start to be more serious talk about breaking down uh, the notion of, of state restrictions on law practice. And, and there's going to be at least a, the beginnings of some conversations about a, a maybe a, a national bar card or some, some ability of lawyers to be more portable across state lines and represent clients in, in a number of areas. Good predictions. Uh, yeah. And uh, the other thing is just, you know, like you, I, I think the podcasts are going to continue to evolve. I, I think the other area that's going to be really big this year is is RSS. Uh, some people are already getting burned out on RSS. Uh, I know I've got so many RSS feeds, I, I can't keep up with them. Uh, but I think that law firms are going to start to use RSS to a much greater extent in, in more larger firms are going to start using. I think small firms have kind of figured it out more quickly, but larger firms are going to start using RSS to communicate with clients, to uh, even communicate within the firm and, and for marketing purposes. So I think we're going to see more adoption of that by larger firms. Well, and with that, I think we should thank our guests that have been with us today. Mm -hmm. uh, Steve Kaplan from the law firm of Hicks, Mims, and Kaplan out of Los Angeles, Carolyn Elephant from Washington, D.C., and Norm Pattis from Connecticut. Bob, you want to wrap up? Uh, yeah, and uh, thanks a lot to all of you for being on the show. And uh, uh, look for uh, our former programs all on uh, LegalTalkNetwork.com. And Craig and I look forward to talking to you next week. Good, and next year we'll do a follow-up and see how our predictions turned out. Yes. Thanks for listening to Coast to Coast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. Coast to Coast has been sponsored by Law.com. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.